Hello, welcome to the Curely Cultivation Podcast. I am half of the hosts of this podcast. My uh, wife Shannon doesn't usually sit in on the um, intros, but uh, she is in the whole episode, and um, this was a pretty good, pretty good episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, today's episode is over Memento Mori, which means remember that you will die. This was a fun episode. Uh, it does get into some interesting areas. We do talk a lot about death, uh, so hopefully you're ready to think about that a little bit. Um, this phrase, if you do integrate it into your life, it will change things. It makes you uh, more aware in the moment, and I feel like, you know, just this this month since I've been you know, getting ready for this episode and editing and everything. I've been thinking about it a lot, and I do feel like it's really helped me to put some things in some slightly different perspectives. So, um, I hope that you enjoy this episode, and I hope that it uh, causes you to question your time. How are you spending your time? What are you doing with your time? And um, I hope it has you uh, realizing that, you know, our most limited resource uh, in on this plane of existence is time itself. It's the only thing that um, there's not going to be any more of for each individual person um, unless science makes some huge breakthroughs, in which case we'll have an entirely different philosophical conversation to embark on. Uh, this episode, you know, it's October 26th as I'm recording this intro, uh, and, you know, I really should have had this episode out a lot earlier in the month, but I'm trying to do video now, so um, I ran into some problems whenever I was syncing my video and my audio, and I didn't really realize it until I was a significant way into editing the video, so... I'm sure I, I'm I'm going to on the next one figure out and um, what I did wrong or how to keep the the audio and the video sunk sunk a little bit better. Um, maybe something is different in the recording settings, and I also might just try to hook my audio directly into the video feed. So we'll see. I'm hoping to to streamline some stuff and, and make the editing process for that a little bit easier. But if you would like to see the uh, finished uh, video, uh, please check out the YouTube channel, uh, the Curly Cultivation Podcast. That's what it's on, uh, on the uh, old YouTube. So uh, please check that out. Let me know what you think. Uh, I'm going to be playing a lot more with the video angles, setting up the, the phone slightly differently, and maybe even do something different with the lighting. But if I can get the sound and the video to record, um, maybe you have some expertise in that area and you would like to uh, reach out and, and throw me some pointers. I would really appreciate that. Anyway, um, this episode was uh, fun to record. I feel like this is more of a traditional style where we just pick one topic and really dive into it. It's a lot less uh, about like current culture and more just about the human experience in general. So hopefully you dig it. Um, we en we enjoyed recording it. And uh, so if you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is by sharing. 
Um, I'm really hoping to kind of focus, what I'm wanting to do is focus on Spotify and YouTube. So uh, if you would like to share the podcast, you can share it on you know, Facebook. I've, I've got the post uh, up on Facebook. Uh, also, Instagram, I'm on there. And then, um, of course, you know, just sharing the episode itself or, you know, possibly sharing some, um, possibly sharing uh, a link or really word of mouth, you know, face to face is the best way to share it. So anyway, uh, thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Peace. What gives you the right? Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. You could see it. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. Okay, so hopefully... As y'all are hearing, we are filming for the first time. So this is going to be the, well, I say first time. I feel like I've filmed before, but it's never been very successful. Um, This is going to be the first one going up on YouTube and Rumble and wherever. Mm, Okay. We're about to blow up. It's going to be crazy. All right. It's going to be crazy. Can't wait. Okay. So today's episode is over Memento More. Mori? Memento Mori. Memento Mori. Memento Mori. Is that how I said it? Yeah. That sounded a bit ridiculous. Oh, always. Sorry. Uh, and so, I can't remember what the precise... Do you remember what made me want to do this? Not precisely, just Halloween in general. Yeah, Halloween. I feel like uh, most of my short stories, actually all the ones that are up on the website right now, have to do with death. Or like the meditation of death. And I've always liked this quote, which in Latin means, um, no, you will die, right? Remember you will die. Remember you will die. And so I've always liked that term. I've always liked the concept of, you know, questioning your own death. And do you remember the first time you realized that you were going to die and that everybody you knew and loved was going to die? No. I don't think I do, honestly. So I remember the specific moment. I don't think I've got a memory of it. So mine, I had to have been around the age of eight or seven, somewhere in that range. It was before we moved to North Carolina. So I was sharing a room with my sister. And I remember I was in bed. And I don't know why I was thinking about it. If it was church, maybe I'd gone to church and they had said something. Or maybe I... You know, my great-grandfather died around that time. I had a couple other people die around that time. But I can remember distinctly having the realization set in on me that, like, like I was going to die, that everybody I knew was going to die, that everybody they knew was going to die, you know, that there was no... None of us were making it out of it alive, you know? Uh, And I remember, you know, like, kind of like pulling at my hair... And not knowing what the answer was, like not knowing if I should like run to my parents in fear and wake them up or if I should, you know, like wake my sister up or what any of that would even do 
right? Even if I woke him up, there is no comfort, no matter what. You know, I know that I'm going to die and that everyone I know is going to die. And that was a, a terrifying moment. It was the, the first time that I feel like I had stared into the abyss, like genuinely. Um, it was like there's a black hole, you know? And so I have here that I uh, the fear of death in the face of inevitability. It's funny because I don't have a memory like that as a kid at all. I think I just knew death existed, but I never, I guess, it never hit me. My, I don't know if it'd be the first time I say I was looking into the abyss, but the time it actually mattered was after I had kids. Then you're like, oh no, everyone dies. And then it's just sad. And then that to me was that moment of like, I don't know. I think before that I had thought about death and in my head I was somewhat okay with it. Not that I didn't, or not that I want to die or anything like that, but okay, I'll die, whatever. But then when you have kids, it's like, I cannot die because I would traumatize my children and they cannot die because I would be traumatized and we just all need to stay alive and we all need to be happy. Right. And then just knowing that you can't actually control that is terrifying. Well, yeah, there there is like a uh, fragility of life. Uh, there is like a realization that you're basically carrying like a priceless piece of glass and around any corner there could be uh uneven concrete or a curb or somebody runs into you right and you break the irreplaceable piece of glass you well know? and it's kind of interesting because i think for me at least and i'm sure for most people the only reason it matters or like the only reason reason death makes me sad or scared is because of other people if that makes sense which is interesting because that's the only reason that, like, death is a thing, right? Like, if there was no other beings around us, there wouldn't even be a concept of death. I guess you know? so, yeah. The only way you can, like, really, I'm not going to experience my own death. Yeah. You know? It's well, like you're only able to experience other people's deaths and then infer that that thing is then going to happen to you. I mean, that's the thing. is like, on one hand, yeah, if I died, I wouldn't know. I have felt very lucky and fortunate in my life so i could say i lived a good life up until that day however now i'm sad if i would die because my parents would be sad or my kids would be sad you know like those are the things i think of like i cannot die because someone's got to be here to take care of my children do you know what i mean right and like vice versa if something happened to one of my kids that would be sad because i would have to live without them Mm. So it's just, I think it is kind of interesting. The stakes, that, the stakes increased. Yes. Once you had kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a hundred times. Um, another thing I have here written is like, which I feel like you're echoing with your answer, but uh, whenever I did realize that I was going to die, um, I was bestowed with a level of maturity in that moment, right? It's almost like, in the Wizard of Oz, when you peek behind the curtain, you realize, oh, crap, it's a game, you know, or it's all a show, you know, it's all a farce in some sense. Um, now, you maybe argue that I stopped maturing at that Total age. <laughs> but um, I, I also think what was interesting is it's the first true step in a spiritual direction, I feel like. I do feel like the understanding and the acknowledgement that everything is temporary and finite 
um, although we have this intrinsic sense in ourselves that there is something more or eternal, right? Well, I think pondering about death forces you to also think about an afterlife, you know? So being comfortable with the idea of death also means you're comfortable with what you think comes afterwards. I think. Say that again. So being comfortable with death means that you're comfortable with what comes afterwards. Yeah, right? Because if, like, for example, if you're a Christian and you think, hey, I'm going to heaven after this, then death means nothing. Even, I think, if you're atheist and you say, hey, after death, there's just nothing. I'm just going into nothing, nothingness. Okay, like, you know what I mean? You're not well, that, is, that not- is the first philosophical hurdle. That I think exists for you once you realize that death is an inevitability and it's going to happen. I think the next step then is, okay, I realize that my meat sack um, is going to stop working at some point in time. And now, am I the summation of my meat sack? Meaning, is my spirit separate than my body? Or is my spirit some sort of an epiphenomena that is produced by the mechanism of my body functioning. Yeah, so thinking about death forces you to think philosophically mm-hmm. about life. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, yeah, if there, if that is, if that is the next step, then how am I living this step? You know, yeah. it kind of makes you um, really. It kind of gives you a, an acknowledgement, like knowing that there is a one way door that you're going to step through one day should make you pay attention more to the room you're in. Yeah. In the current moment, you know? Um, and then the only other thing I had is one of the things that I feel like the first time that I realized that I was going to die or that like dying was really truly an option. Um, the feeling that I had was that of like meditating on a black hole. Right, you look yeah. at it and it's this huge, at least how they depict it, the scientists and physicists and such. They depict it as this ball of infinite mass that is so massive that it actually sucks all light in and nothing can escape it. Mm-hmm. So it appears like nothingness, you know? Like I had that feeling of like death is this That's crushing, you know, it's this crushing everythingness. That is so encompassing that it sucks everything in, including like, you know, your soul. And then, and, but it's a one way trip, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Memento Mori, uh, remember your death, remember you will die. Uh, it is a Latin term. Can you look up, do you have your phone on you? Uh-huh. Look up the exact Memento Mori, like the exact definition that would like pop up on like Wikipedia or whatever. Well, okay. So, you mean the translation? Yeah, the translation. So, roughly, and this is hard because there's no direct translation from Latin to English. From what I had looked up, it basically translates to remember to die. Now, that's not the right connotation right. from what I understand. So, that's like the practical translation, like, not necessarily like the, to die. Like not necessarily the literate. So, from what I had read to actually get the right connotation, it would either be 
remember you will die, remember you must die, or remember death. Mm. Those were the kind of the, the right kind of translation for it. Okay, and um, I would say that that sentiment, however, is timeless. Yeah, well, I mean, from the fact that it's Latin, it began with Roman soldiers, from what I understand. Then you had the Greek philosophers, and then it's never went away. So it began like, with Roman sh- with Roman soldiers? Yes, did you hear about this? I don't know. Okay. I think it's interesting because I have heard the same origin story with two different variations. So, and I think they're actually very interesting. So... Both of them start with the Roman soldiers. That seems to be, or at least Romans. It started with Romans. That seems to be pretty commonly accepted. Then most of them point back to Roman soldiers. One story, or one version of the story, is that Roman soldiers would get paraded down the streets. They'd you know, come back from war or whatever, get paraded down these streets. It is literally the highest honor they could get. And so they would have a servant or a slave behind them telling them remember you will die mm, in order so that they to, don't get so ver- yes like, in order to check their hubris up. right Ooh, okay be careful because all of this can go to your head but you are still mortal and you will die. You remember what your job is your job is still to at the drop of a hat go and die for the emperor yes now <coughs> the second variation that i heard of the same story is the roman soldier who has slaves and the slaves would tell the soldiers or yeah, the slaves would tell the Roman soldier, remember you will die. So you're doing this to me thinking you are above everything, above everything, but you are also mortal and you will die just like I will. Okay. So it's really interesting because it's both between a slave and a Roman soldier, but very different depictions of it. Well, you maybe say it's the exact same uh, end, right? I think both of them surround hubris. Well, yeah. One is saying, look, look, don't treat me like a dog because one day you're going to die and who knows where you're going to go. Almost like karma's a bitch type concept. I don't know if that's exactly how I take it. I think that is part of it. But I still think it too, just not so much as like karma's a bitch. But remember you will die, that you think you're above all of this because you have worldly possessions and you have status, but that is meaningless. Mm. So I guess in a way you could translate it to commerce a bitch, but I think it is still more philosophical than that. Right. No, I agree. I wasn't trying to diminish it. Yeah. I feel like uh, karma is a bitch might be the most philosophical com- like statement of our time maybe so uh, um we should go to taylor swift for that one what karma's karma well she has a song called karma but it's good karma you know oh yeah karma is yeah. a cat in her lap on the weekend okay <laughs> <laughs> you're taking a little too too deep down car uh taylor swift which i guess you know who knows how deep taylor swift's souls go you know wait <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, you know, like the rabbit holes of Taylor Swift. The, the rabbit holes of Taylor Swift go very, very <laughs> That's far. all I was talking about. What were you thinking? <laughs> well, you worded it kind of oddly. Okay, so... Um, okay. Did you have something else to say? Can we... No, you can keep... Are you well, still going down that? I just have some th- another postulation, I guess. And I think it works us into a new conversation. 
going off of this thought, no matter which variation you have of the Roman soldier and the slave. Either way, like I said, I feel like it surrounds or discusses hubris, right? Check your hubris. Because what I see a lot of now, when I even like when I was just Googling Memento Mori to see what people would talk about, there are people who say, oh, it's like a fancy YOLO. Well, that's actually what I have written down next is okay. modern represented by YOLO. Okay. Which is you only live once. Yes. That's Which, literally the next thing written on my notes. Uh, perfect. Because that's what I was about to get into because I, when I read the story, again, both stories of the Roman soldier and the slave, it changed how I view Memento Mori. Because up until that, I had read it as, remember, you will die, so go live your life to the fullest. And not that I fully thought it was just do whatever the heck it's you slightly, wanted. It's slightly, like, you're, you're kind of talking about it in the Stoic sense. Well, actually, I have Stoic and Hedonism as both, but, like, it's both, like, remember that you will die so perform an action now in well, order to be productive. In yes and no. Because even the Stoicism version, the Stoic version, I feel like it's more about intentionality than it is about YOLO, go no, 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 make I that agree. big purchase, go I on agree. that vacation. Yeah, continue, continue with your thought then. So I feel like there are at least, we have three different segments, at least three right now. So we have the original Roman one, which is about guard against hubris. We have the Stoic version, which is live your life intentionally. Towards accomplishment and purpose. Yes. And then the last one, what it becomes nowadays, is YOLO. Which is, I have here written, the hedonism. Which is the only only pleasure matters. So we die tomorrow, so let's like let's live it up today. Yeah. And what I think is interesting, like I was saying, going back to that first one, when I read it that way with the Roman soldier, it seems very much to me like, hey, almost the opposite of YOLO. Watch out for all of these earthly pleasures because these things will leave. Like they are fleeting. All of your earthly desires are fleeting. All of these things that you have accomplished and all these things you can buy and all these things you can win will go away. You will die. So none of these earthly things are what matter. Which seems, like I said, to be in direct opposition to YOLO. And so I, I, I guess, what do you think? Do you agree that that's how you would interpret the original context? So I if actually, I'm understanding the story right. I have it, I have it divided into four different levels. Is how I have it divided. Okay. So four different maybe interpretations of, of YOLO. Okay. Kind of. The first one is the Stoic, which I watched. The first three videos I watched, one was uh, Ascension Presents. Have you ever seen that? I don't think so. It's uh, it's Why We Say Memento Mori was the name of the video. The second one I watched, and this is just literally just typing in Memento Mori into YouTube. The second video that popped up was a Jordan B. Peterson video. Which I actually saw that. I did not watch it, but I saw it. It was interesting enough. I mean... Does he actually talk about Mimitomori? <coughs> he does. Okay. And he, he had a lot of interesting stuff, but he took it in the very stoic direction. And then the third <coughs> one was um, stoic exercises for inner peace. I have the guy's name written down, but I'm not going to be able to pronounce Marcus it. Marcus Aurelius? 
No, no, no. This was like a modern YouTuber. Oh, okay. I was going to say, the Stoics did no, no, all of talk them, a lot about death and meditate a lot about the first death. Three, the first three videos were all about Stoics, basically. Okay. And basically, the idea of like being almost a objective observer of your life. Well, let me pull it up because I had saved some quotes. There are some good, there definitely were some good quotes. And I probably should have gotten a little bit more into, but I thought it was interesting that the first three videos that popped up were very stoic. And so I kind of started to attribute it to maybe more of a stoic concept. Yeah. Well, death was a huge part of stoicism, accepting your death because they, who was it? Socrates thinks that accepting your death is like the first philosophical hurdle, which is kind of what we just talked about. Right, it's there's a level of maturity that you can't have other conversations until you get beyond the fact that like, hey, we at least all acknowledge that we're gonna die. Um, and so while you're looking up those quotes, so really my I felt like my first bullet point for um, you know, delineation of of uh, memento mori was the Stoics. The next one that I thought was interesting was the hedonistic. Uh, pursuit of of a YOLO type, right? Remember, you're going to die. So eat the ice cream, right? Um, do the drug, party, drink the beer. You know, like it, it's almost more of like uh, what feels good in the moment. And so live for that one moment. But I think one of the things that's interesting now, granted, there's tons of branches of hedonism, which I didn't realize. Like there's even Christian hedonism hedonisms people which i thought was interesting but because it there is this aspect of hedonism that says like well you should do what feels good in the moment um and then if you can expand that to a less of a moment like yolo i only live once to meaning that i'm gonna die tomorrow morning and you change that to like yolo i only have one life and it's gonna be 80 years long and I'm in my 30s, right? It changes a lot. There is the, um, you know, like the FIRE uh, community, which yeah. is financial independence, retire early, right? And to me, that would fall under a YOLO type philosophy, right? You only live once, so make as much money as you can by the time that you're 30, invest it properly, and then live the rest of your life. Well, that's how I take it for the stoic sense is and now I again I think it's changed now but for the stoic sense it's not just go do whatever you want it's how are you creating an intentional life that you want to live so you don't want to get to the end of your life and think I did nothing I wanted to and not like fun things but like I was not the person I wanted to be I did not live the life I was seeking to live Versus, again, like, I'm just going to go on this vacation. It's more of what kind of life are you building that you, and so it's it's individual. It's whoever, it's changes from person to person. Right. What is it that you are doing in this moment to build that life, to live that intentional life, and for you to live your intentional self? Right. Which isn't just, well, hey, and, and you so, want the cake, eat the cake. Yeah, there is an aspect of that that is... Um, you know, like in the Matrix, whenever Neo is getting ready to walk out of the room and she's like, 
like read that phrase. Do you know what that means? Which what is the phrase? I don't know. I've it's only a, seen the Matrix one time. It's a Latin. It's a Latin phrase that says it means know yourself, mm. know thyself, right? Because <clears throat> he's asking her like, "Am I the one? Am I the one?" And she's like, "Are you the one? Like you." That is something that you can't be told. You have to know it yourself, right? And so there, there is an aspect of self-actualization. And I think that in the concept of a memento mori or of only live once, you have to acknowledge that you are a being that has an end. Yeah. And like you said, I think it changes. Instead of just saying whatever, go seek whatever pleasure will make you happy. It's more of what kind of life will make you happy. So let's Which just, I would I mean, say is is like the would be like the Christian hedonists. What their whole thing is saying, like, let's maximize the pleasure we can experience in life, which is like the oh the utmost pleasure, right? And now granted, I haven't gotten to experience something like this yet, right? But in my limited con like uh conception of what makes me happy, right? Is I can, I now I can see, like let's say Emmett, I'm throwing the ball with Emmett. And I throw the ball and he catches it in his mitt. Right? He like makes a move and catches it in his mitt. That gives me a certain amount of pleasure because I've invested in throwing the ball with him enough time for him to have an accomplishment. So now once you start like visualizing your life through being substantiated in action, you start to realize that the things that substantiate your life the most are when other people succeed in relation to you. Well, that's what I was going to say is I think it is wrong, not that you were doing this, but I think it is wrong to conflate the Stoicism's version of Memento Mori with pleasure. Because I don't think it was related to pleasure. Mm -mm. I think it was related to intentionality and authenticity. No, sto stoicism is almost like the leveling out yeah. of you You never experience the mountaintops, but you also never experience the valleys. Well, and so even for that, like we kind I of imagine. talked about this the other day. My interpretation. Because I had to go to Nanny's house, my grandmother, and which I'm happy to do. And I would like to take the kids over there. So that way they can have a relationship, especially because she is in her eighties. So I had made plans to go see her on the weekend. And then the day came and I was like, dad gummit, I haven't done laundry. I need to cook. This is going to take hours. I have all these other things to do. Or you could even say, I just had other things I wanted to do. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm just saying like, that's a whole afternoon. Then now I'm just like sitting there so that she when can... When your time is limited. Yeah. But whenever you do put in perspective of what is important to me, not what is pleasurable, what feels good, what do I like, what is important to me? Well, family is important to me. And I know that the relationship between my grandmother and my children is very, very limited. Or like the days are numbered. Very numbered. So... That is going to take priority. Well, and, and like, this is the thing too, is like, even look at it from like, whenever I say very numbered, people maybe automatically jump to your grandma and think like, oh, he's saying very numbered because your grandma's in her 80s. But even like Emmett and Callahan, they're four, four and seven. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say they live another 90 years. That's... In the vast scheme of eternity, oh, yeah. that's nothing, you know? And so 
I think it, it is in, it's important to meditate on, you know, like a lot of people don't like to think about death until they're knocking on the doorstep of it, you know, but you never know <clears throat> when you're yeah, going to be yeah. on that doorstep. You know, you never know when you're going to be there. Which I had told you this story, but it was from Gabbermonte talking about seeing people on their deathbeds and what they said to him as their last regrets. And I think this other people, I think, have said similar things. But basically, when it came down to it, the majority of these people regret, re regretted not living an authentic life. They never got to live the life they wanted to live. Because societal pressures, just life happens. They never whatever. They never um, had the moment where they really grabbed a hold of their own existence. Yeah, it just happened to them up until they died. And then they looked back saying, wow, I never lived that. Like, I was never my authentic self in my life. And it's just kind of interesting to think that is like a common thought or regret on your deathbed so and again you have to then grapple with well what is my authentic self how do i live that life do you know what i mean like it does force you to actually think about that and consider it and not just well this is what i'm supposed to do this is what the media says i should do this is what other people say looks good this is what kim kardashian is telling me to do do you know what I mean? Like it mm -hmm. forces you to actually question it for yourself. Is it is it terrible that Kim Kardashian doesn't tell me to do anything? No, I mean that's a good thing. <laughs> like there's literally zero things in my life that I'm like, you know what? Kim Kardashian told me to do this. Good. I genuinely think like there's like almost zero. Unless you at one point in time said, listen to Kanye West music. Cause I, I mean, she probably has said I, that. I still do that on occasion. <laughs> she gotcha. <laughs> I, I still do that on occasion. Okay. I haven't made it through half of my points. Okay. So st Stoics. Oh, I actually do have another thought, but I can let you finish first. We'll go ahead and with that other thought. Though. Okay. I'm going to let you finish. Because but... I, I got notes. Okay. Well, because we were dividing them up into segments of different interpretations, and I forgot one. So... I didn't realize that memento mori is often used in Catholicism. Mm -hmm. I did not realize that. But when I looked it up, the way they interpret it, and now, I, I mean, I'm no scholar in this. This is just what I had read, is prepare for death. Prepare yourself to die. Which I think then is another translation of it, like well, another interpretation. Do you want another level of that? Because sure. that's actually my third point. Okay. Am monks. I just, are we on the same page here? My third point is monks. Okay. Um, and the two monks at one point in time during Catholicism and in different sects, different ways. Um, one of the common greetings that two monks coming to in touch with each other would say is remember your death in Jesus. Yeah. So whenever they're saying memento mori, they're not only saying remember that you will die, they're also inferring that you have died. So remember your death, right? And and what did you die to? Right? You were you were dying to one life in order so that you may engage in a new life. Yeah. And you know, depending on different people and what they've been through and what where their walk is, you know, it's kind of, to me, uh, similar to, like, the Alcoholics Anonymous type philosophy, where it's like, each day you have to acknowledge 
what it is that you're leaving behind and acknowledge what direction you are going. And if you do that, you make different decisions each day or each moment or, you know, throughout your life. So I do think that that, uh, you know, that was the monks aspect of it. And I feel like you already talked about, you said something about soldiers, right? Roman soldiers coming back. So what I had written down, and now granted I didn't uh, find a whole lot of research or people talking about this, but this was kind of one of the takes that I thought was interesting. Uh, I've done a lot of listening to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. And he has a series uh, called Blueprint for Armageddon. It's all about World War One. And one of the things that I, one of the reasons that I love his podcast, I would say most people, I mean, it's a super popular podcast. Maybe don't drink beer during a podcast if you can't stop burping. It's it is my fault, but it's also not my fault. Don't drink beer. Uh, I wanted to drink a couple of beers. I know, but then you burp the entire time. I'm not trying to burp the whole time. I know, but I'm holding it in pretty decently. No, you're not keeping it like somewhat. You can go back and watch a video to see yourself every single time. I mean, I am doing that, but I'm not used to being videoed as well. And I would argue that you could hear it on previous podcasts as well. You could probably hear it on previous podcasts, but that's part of what people are looking for in podcasts. They're looking for authentic interaction. Not people burp necessarily, but I'm just saying. Okay. Anyway, the the fourth, and I'm not exactly sure. I, I didn't completely flush this one out. But it's like the soldier mentality, right? So during World War One, going to the front was like a death sentence. Going to the front line. They were losing millions of people, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in like bombing in this trench, right? And so it's like the gears of society, the gears of war are just grinding. And it like doesn't really matter what you think or what you want, right? You're part of this machine and the machine is rolling forward and you have, you have different choices um, about how you react to the machine rolling forward, but it's rolling forward whether you like it or not. So interestingly enough, what I had read was that the Memento Mori movement, I don't know if it was specifically called Memento Mori, but they were just saying like this movement of remembering death became very popular in the late Middle Ages mm. because people would die. Like the plagues, the um, hostility, I just mean like... Um, well, the state was at its most fasci- uh, fascistic... Yes. The the uh, church was at its most fascistic. Is that a word? I don't actually know. Fascistic? I don't think so. Fascist? Can you just say it was at its most fascist? But it's like fascistic. It wasn't necessarily... So you're trying to make it into an adjective. It wasn't I feel necessarily like it a fascistic regime. Can you say he is a fascist person? Or is it just a noun? He is fascist. No, but that is an adjective. He is a fascist. But what if fascist. he is acting like a fascist? Fascistic. So I can. So like, what if, what if, like, what if he's acting fascistic, 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 fascistically, like an adverb? Yes. Sure. That might be a word. (laughs) It is now. I feel like we've hashed it out enough to make it a word. So yes, this was a huge period of time where people died. 
And you, kind of like you were saying about the soldiers in war, you just had to move, like, nothing was going to stop because someone you knew died, because you probably knew just people who died, because that's just the state of your environment right now. And so what I found really interesting is that it was reflected a lot in these art movements. Mm. So I, and I feel so stupid, but I've never thought about it before, like all the pictures of skeletons and like the dancing skeleton pictures. Mm. There's a whole movement of it. Called, and I'm sure I'm not saying, because it was spelled D-A-N-S-E. So I don't know if you just pronounce it dance, but it was like the dance macabre style. Mm. And it was this whole movement of people reflecting on mortality because you had to. And so skeletons became really, really big in art. Hmm. And it was always like, and you can look up all these different variations if you just look up like Dance Macabre. It's all these variations of like skeletons with people. Hmm. And they said like before that, before that movement in art, it was pretty much these grim pictures of people like laying still and they were dead or peacefully sleeping and they're dead. But this was this whole new movement about almost in a weird way embracing death although i don't know if they were comfortable with it it's just like you were forced into it so it was almost like these skeletons were just coming in and like taking people to go die so it changed visually how we even see death it's not like you peacefully sleeping it's like the skeletons are coming for you and you're about to go die do you know what i mean did it look like a party though some of them did. Like, I mean, I feel like I've seen these images and I didn't know what they were, but like the dancing skeletons. Like, I do you... remember, I do feel like in... I wonder if I can... I do feel like in um, history, right? Like back in the I day... I mean, like here's one of them. I don't know if I can... Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, can I, may... I see? No, I, nope. might, I might just... I might try to insert a picture oh yeah this one's like skeleton holding hands almost like ring around a rosy style mm -hmm. you know so i mean these pictures it's just they're so cool well but i you know i almost feel like you know uh we all knew at least if you were within a certain time frame of going to school maybe still today but like the goth kids yeah. That were like hardcore, wore a lot of like maybe Slayer shirts and stuff like that. Oh, kind of, uh, in a sense, satanic clothing. And I always felt like that was part of their message. You know, it was almost like they were trying to remind everybody that like no one is better, is going to overcome mm. death. or Well, and that's so two things. One... I guess I didn't think about it, but when I just looked at that picture, it said that part of these, like, depictions were the skeletons going in and rounding up people to go die, but it's all people. Whether you're rich or poor or have a social status or in the church or not in the church. I was going to say. that death comes for all. Earlier when you were talking about, um, I guess it was whenever the... Roman soldiers were like coming in. There was almost this inkling of like a communistic vibe in it, right? <clears throat> like kind of this proletariat uprising ish of like, look, and I think it would be very important for all of our politicians to acknowledge the fact that, you know, I don't think that you would be hanging out in the fucking Senate. Or I guess 
I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. Effing Senate. Too late now. Too late. I might beep it. Boop. Um, but, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to hang out in the Senate, or you shouldn't want to hang out in the Senate when you're literally on your deathbed. Like, imagine you had 20... I'm not sure where you're going with this. I'm saying, imagine you had 20 years left to live, right? Why would you want to spend it, and you've got tons of money, why would you want to spend it Power, babe, and control. I know, but that's only if you don't acknowledge that you're going to die, right? Power and control only really matters if you're alive. And I'm saying, to me, if I'm like, like, let's say I'm amassing power and I'm 25 years old, like I'm Alexander the Great, I could maybe see like, hey, like, let's get this thing as big as we can because I've got 60 years, even though he died young, to enjoy it. I don't think... If you're in your 80s, what? Nothing. I know that was a strange experience right there. <laughs> I like stifled the burp and then. <laughs> but that's life, babe. That's what that's what happens when you're living life, you know? Yeah. Anyway, where was I at? You just. Oh, 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 oh wait. Oh, go ahead. So then I was just saying, okay. So I was talking about the skeletons, which again, I thought was awesome. These styles of paintings are cool. I think it's interesting. It's kind of like Memento Mori, how it's like it has all this meaning that it becomes YOLO. Mm. And it's like these skeleton paintings have so much meaning and class warfare in them and philosophical discussion in them. And then it's just like we have these skeletons on our wall. And they've lost all meaning other than, oh, look, I'm edgy. I've got a skeleton. Mm. And that's what I was thinking. It's like, oh, man, these skeletons... I feel like I've seen these pictures everywhere and without even realizing the meaning behind them. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And then now, I don't know. I You were talking about the goth kids. I feel like sometimes when I see people with like a lot of skeleton stuff, it's like, we get it. You smoke weed. You're fine. <laughs> I get it. We get it. But it's like, oh, now it's just a symbol to be like edgy. Right. Versus this whole philosophical discussion as a slight aside what do you think about like the big skeletons like the 14 foot skeletons just as like people, a halloween decoration that people are putting up i think it can be done well i've seen spe- very specific people like in my social media feeds posting that they have them and it's i wouldn't want to go so far as to say anything in a negative direction i think typically when you say like it's a type of person that has them sometimes that's like construed as like negative but it is a type of person that has them yeah you know and it, it is just interesting to me that like that which it's really difficult to describe the type of person right mm-hmm. yeah like to say this type of person well but it is hard. a type of person because i could actually see the giant skeletons no, out they're, here. they are cool it well, is cool like out here where People's yards are acres, and you don't have neighbors right next door. Right. I think all of these decorations out here are bigger because they almost have to be because you're looking at them from the road, which is an acre or a couple acres away. Right. So if you have the giant skeletons out here, it would be cool, and no one would like it. Kind of works when people just have one of those in a like small little house in Amarillo where their yard is the size of a bedroom. And then you have like this giant skeleton. It's almost like that what like, they what they what? did with Christmas. You know, like people got so like Super into sizing. like Christmas lights that oh, it became yeah. an entire industry of like You mean I, like capitalism? Consumerism? 
Possibly. What else can we sell? Let's make it bigger and more money. How much more and money? People can... will buy it. And they will buy it. And it is cool. And it is cool. I like it. So to get back <coughs> to my soldiers in World War One. Okay. Yeah, just so cool you were talking about ancient Romans, right? Yes. So to take it from the ancient Romans to like the uh sci fi futuristic. Did you ever see Starship Troopers? No. <laughs> Literally never heard of it. <laughs> You've never even heard of it? it? Oh my God. I had no idea that you've never even heard of it. It's very campy, right? It's very... Sounds like it. it, It's very... um, But it's profound in a lot of ways, including their governmental structure in it. We need to talk about it. We maybe need to watch it and then do an episode over it because it's profound. But in that, there's a line that says, come on, apes. Do you want to live forever? And they're going on these planets to battle um, giant arachnoids, like arachnoids, like bugs that have all these spikes and. Are I super, really want to watch that. You, are, you know, it's kind of cool. But anyway, <laughs> there is like a certain vibe of like a you you only live once kind of vibe in it, and uh, their whole citizenship and whatever. But okay, uh, do you want? Do you have anything else you want to say about the delineations? Not about the delineations. I'll wait because I do have something else to say, but I can wait. Okay. So the next little section that I was wanting to talk about is like, um, I was wondering if, do you think that there is a new type of death that has ever, then has ever existed in earth, which is the long dying? Are you talking about our current medical system? Yes. So, to provide a little bit of context, um, I work as a paramedic, firefighter paramedic, and I've been a firefighter for coming up on like 15 years, and I've been a paramedic for like three, but I was an intermediate medic for like 11. Anyway, I've been a medic. I'm at the place if somebody's dying, basically. For many years. For many years. And um, there... I don't know if this is new because I only have my own time to base it off of. But there is this aspect of these, uh, like, it's like, you know, I think in the medical sense they'd call them comorbidities. But individuals who have a lot of stuff wrong with them. And there is no getting better. There's only getting worse. And they're already pretty bad to begin with, right? But our medical, our modern medicine, right? Oh, well, this is bothering you. Well, let's take this pill. Oh, well, this is bothering you. Let's like, and instead of like one of the things would get way out of control and kill you. Now they balance everything out and you end up living way longer than when you should have died. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so does like, is it the fear of death? That is causing people to live that way? Or is it... I think this does get tricky. uh, Is it just the opportunity? Because it depends, I think... It it is individual for me. For example, if you do have one person who just wants to prolong their life so that they can just sit and watch TV, I mean, I guess more power to them, and who am I to judge? But that is one version. Like, okay, now you are just... You have a very low quality of life, maybe in the way you feel, and you're if you're only doing it to watch TV, does that balance it out? 
Versus, I I mean, call me selfish, call me crazy, whatever. But if today I ended up with a disease and the doctor told me here are my options, I'm going to do whatever possible so I can survive because I have children. Do you know what I mean? Now, there is a question of where would I draw that line? Like, I am willing to live a very low quality life to be with my kids for longer and to be in their life for longer. So not even like for me to have them, but for them to have me. Now, at some point it would cross over to where do they want me in their life like this? Does that make sense? Well, one of my questions is like, you know, the old line in uh, uh, The Dark Knight, when he says you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the victim. Yes, villain. Oh, villain. Yeah, victim. <laughs> so that might change things. Yeah, villain. Um, one of the reasons that I like that line is I do I think that that's, you know, you, you can take hero and villain and take it in a bunch of different directions because – I think we've all, most people have had an experience in their life through either family or coworker or something where you have an individual who is the primary caregiver for somebody who is completely disabled and unable to take care of themselves, but is still alive and largely still alive due to our medic, like our modern medical system. And you always like wonder. Because there, what is that? There's like actually a syndrome for people who are like taking care of somebody who's like sick and dying. Um, but you know, have you ever heard of that? Where they think the person is sick, or they force no, no, them no, to be no, sick no, when they're no, really the not. No, 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 no. The person, the person is sick and is dying, and it completely encompasses their life. So oh, they're sure almost like they're it. almost like prisoners. Yeah. To their caregiving well, of that person. They actually say they they say. I have heard people like therapists or doctors or whatnot say that it is actually really, really, really normal for certain people to be relieved when someone dies and you feel really bad about it. Like, for example, if you are caring for a sick parent and then they die and you're happy and not happy, relieved well, but because that, it just is a weight off your shoulders. But there is an aspect of it that I feel like um, it is inevitable, right? So I think it it's different if you're like, man, I'm relieved that they're dead, but they could have lived forever. Well, right? I think it depends too. Like either way, either way, every single person's going to die. There are people who do get sick. And sure, they take medicine for that. But what's the alternative? You're just going to go kill them? Like, no, no, no. I'm not saying there that. There are people like, okay, take a, a sick parent, for example. There are people whose parents get sick. And need to be cared for. It's not saying if the current medical system didn't exist, they would already be dead. Because there are plenty of people even in history who would get sick and have to have caregivers for years, right? You don't know. So I think there is a difference between the people who are on some sort of life support for years just hanging on to life versus, hey, there are people who get sick and they need the medical system. Because they are sick, but it's not like the medical system is keeping them clinging on to life. Either way, someone would still have to care for them. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't know. I just feel like there's a whole lot of. Oh no! Th here. This is more of this. 
this is more of a discussion topic. I I don't have any answers on this, and like that's the 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 hardest thing is the vast majority of my experience with this is popping in and popping out. Well, and I do think it's sad. And so it's very easy for me whenever I get to pop in and it's literally just like, hey, this person fell on the floor. They're not hurt or nothing. I just can't get them out of the floor. But then you get them out of the floor and you realize that there is not any sort of like, you know, it's like one thing like you stand somebody up and then they just take off walking. They're fine to go. But when you stand somebody up and you realize like, oh, the reason that this person couldn't help them off the floor is because they're so exhausted from having helped them from position to position all day. You know? Well, and I think the sad thing is that more people should be caring for other people. A lot of times people call you, call 911, because they don't have people to help them. Do you know what I mean? Right. They don't have a support structure in place. Even if there was one person, like you said, that one person is not fit to take care of someone 24-7. Right. And that is what people used to do, which I think continues along this theme of death. People cared for the dying, in your family at least, right? And, or maybe in your community or in your village, whatever. You helped people. And then guess what? When you died or when someone died, you prepared the body for death. Well, and I guess part of my question is, it seemed like in the past, maybe there was a cliff, right? So it was like, person's coming and then they just drop off the cliff they're dead right but now but but now i I wonder if it's like if it's like you know you kind of fall off a cliff but then you plateau and then you fall off a cliff and then you plateau and then you fall off a cliff and then you plateau maybe i don't know and so you (laughs) and, and but to me i guess i want i wonder how much of that of that like fighting for life is actually fighting for the philosophical sense of life versus just being scared to die. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I think there are a lot of people who are scared to die. Like one of the things I've commented about, I know you've heard me comment about it is like back in the day, whenever you thought that your relative was dying, you would call the priest and the priest would come to the house and say, Hey, do you have anything that you need to, talk about or get off your chest or can I help you spiritually right and now if you think somebody's dying or somebody's sick you call 911 and you take them to a hospital where they're probably going to be miserable for hours right and so it's just like it's an interesting just philosophical change right I'm just not and I don't have an answer Burp one more time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm almost out of beer, though. Good. So it shouldn't happen too much more. Uh, do you have any more you want to talk about that? That was just kind of one of the discussion topics. I do just think it is interesting. Um, modern medical system aside, people used to see dead bodies. Now, most of the time, we do not. Many people do go pretty far into their life before they ever see a dead body. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I do think it changes how we view death and the relevancy of death. Because even just living out here, we're surrounded by death more. We recently had two chicks die. And then I'm having to explain to my kids what death is. They are learning how to cope with death at a very young age. Right. 
Whereas if you are so far removed from it, you never have to think about it until it hits that it's your parent, your sibling, your child. Then it's like, boom, it hits. I don't know what I think about death. I don't know what I think about this. I don't know how to grieve. I've literally never thought about it before because we're so far removed from it. Right. So I do think there is an importance with being close to death. And I'm not saying you just need to go see a bunch of dead bodies. But when you do realize, like, again, living out here, when you have animals, death is inevitable. I mean, isn't death always inevitable? But you see it. You got to drag I mean, the dead body. You got to smell it. And you there's gotta... such, um, I, it's, there's more of a reverence for it, I think. Because I know, for example, like if a calf dies, I know that whoever was there helping did everything they could to try to save that calf. Sometimes, though, calves die. Do you know what I mean? Right. And those people are going to be more sad than anybody else. Like, they cared for those animals. They did everything they could to try to save those animals. And they are going to be the ones who are... Um, respecting those animals. I don't think it's like grieving... In the sense that they you could say can't like the function. most invested, they're the most invested in that animal. But they have to process that death happens, even when you try your hardest, even when you do the right things, even when everything should go right. Animals still die, people still die. Right. And so I do just think there is a difference from at even just from us living in Amarillo versus us living here. We are much more closer to death here yeah exposed the exposure is a lot higher yes just because again we see it more whether it's hogs chickens chicks cows calves whatever dogs deer and not saying that people don't have dogs that die i should we see it a lot or yeah deer even just on the side of the road there are deer everywhere armadillos i mean whatever you just see it and then you see that that is the way nature is and that nature does not care about my feelings. So we can be sad and we should be sad and we should be reverent towards it. But we also need to understand that it cannot be changed. Are you done? I, I can be. Okay. I, got I just, keep going. I got a couple more topics. <laughs> okay. But I that that is good. I agree all, with all that you were saying. Like I don't want to cut you off. I just think that we're at the point. Okay. Time. Yes. Move on. So one of the things I've talked you know, have you uh, listened to any of the transhumanist movements? I type issues? There are um, <laughs> there are different people who have been studying um, ex- life extension and uh, downloading your consciousness into a computer so that you can live forever. There's already a lot of people, like even with just the amount of uh, podcasts that I've posted and video that is on the internet of my existence um that they think in the future an ai will be able to you trying to see if i'm gonna interlace my toes i kind of am i'm waiting for the classic dexter podcast move yeah i was getting close (laughs) if you hadn't looked at me it might have happened but you made it too obvious um but with the transhumanist movement there is this aspect of downloading your consciousness into a computer and they are world well, they already think that the like an AI will be able to take all of my content from the internet um, and project me into the future. So my great 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 grandkids could say, "What would Dexter have said?" 
and it will be able to artificially generate an AI that answers questions like I would have answered them. They could ask mm-hmm. me a question, right? And they've already done this sort of thing. Like the the other day, I I'd listened and I didn't listen to much of it because it's not very compelling to me. But I listened to a uh, an AI Terrence McKenna and an AI um, Alan Watts have a conversation, like an AI generated conversation. And it was interesting because both of the two were saying what you'd expect them to say. Anyway, all of this to say, I do find it interesting that we may be one of the last generations that actually like talks to our kids about why we want to die. You know, Maybe like so. they say, they think- say the first person on in our history or in our observation to live to a thousand has already been born. We'll so see. They, they think that there's a possibility that a person we'll that's been already been, been born today will live to the year 3000. Oddly enough, I was reading an article today because I, I was actually reading articles about technology defined for class. And one of them was about technology and the effect it has on connection and conversation. And so they had found this one study that showed it was an a robot AI like baby seal. I I mean I don't know. It, they took it to an elderly home to give it to like patients to comfort them, and they loved it because they would start telling their life stories to this little AI bot, and they said they felt heard. Which I'm sorry, like if you don't find that sad dystopian yes i don't know what else to tell you and so i thought this article is really interesting because it talked about ai as simulating connection all it is is a simulation it's not real it's that we so badly want to be heard and seen because we are in a society that does not actually listen or connect with people that we are all left feeling so much like we want to be heard and seen that we are willing to Post that for anybody to see, whether social media, like I'm willing to post anything online so that someone will see me, or I'm willing to go talk to an AI bot so that I can feel heard. I'm sorry. Like that is just sad. What is the state of our society when that's what our connection has become? But I mean, if you think about it, like let's say that that AI bot is connected to some sort of like Google mainframe. And let's say that this person tells their life story to this AI bot over the span of a year. That could be one of the most well-documented lives in the history of humanity. And I think that would be interesting to document the lives. No, that's what I'm saying. It is recording. Yes, I know. I'm saying that aspect of it is cool. Not to replace the human connection, though. Hmm. I don't think. I don't think. No, I'm not saying it is cool. I'm just saying it is an interesting... um, quandary that this person who is literally forgotten about in a retirement home might have a better documented life than like oh yeah the most rich man in the world a thousand years ago yeah. or whatever um <laughs> so the last thing that i wanted to talk about which is kind of a cheesy country song since we're in the cowboy capital of the world and all is uh you know the uh the I went sky dive. Oh, yeah. What what all does he he says I like, went sky He like rode a bull. I went 
Rocky Mountain climbing. Climbing. I went. Which is weird to me because it's like. I went seven seconds on a bull named. Fu Manchu. Fu it's Manchu. like, it's like, um, it's weird because this person got a, uh, a, uh, uh, terminal diagnosis. And then they're doing all this like dangerous shit that you have to be in like pretty good shape to do. I'm like, what kind of illness did you get diagnosed? Oh, Fu Manchu. Yeah. And I love deeper. And I this so is a recording. Sweeter. I know. I can't believe I'm actually sick. <laughs> I have a zero alcohol. I've just accepted who I am in life. Yeah. So. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I gave forgiveness. I'd been denying. Mm. Someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Ooh, deep. But um, I did think that was like another. I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I would argue with him because fishing is always an imposition. <laughs> That's part of the fun of it, I feel like. But every time I've ever been fishing, it's so much well, work. Well, I think going off of that, I had it was when I was listening to one of the Stoics or the Stoicism thought on Memento Mori. It was talking about what are you actually living like, why are you scared of dying? What are you doing in your life that makes you not want to die? So, for example, to take a modern twist on it, if you are just in your bedroom scrolling through TikTok videos and you're so scared of dying, why? And it might be that you're so scared of dying because you've never actually experienced living. Maybe so. And because so that there, ha- are, there are people who did what they set out to do and, like, that they lived the back half of their life happy satisfied oh yeah i mean there is a way to live a fulfilled life it's just are you living that fulfilled life whether or not it looks like riding a bull or going skydiving i think more than anything it's getting right with the people who are around you do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and this is completely random but i was watching that special forces show one of the guys on there had recently lost his mom and he talked about the last conversation he had with her is that she called, and he was about to fly into town, and she said she was going to pick him up. And he says, no, Dad always picks me up. I want Dad to pick me up. And, you know, he's like 30, and he's like, ah, just what we always do, Dad picks me up. And so she kind of was like, ah, fine. And, like, that was their last conversation they had. So then he's he's upset. He's like, man, that's that will always be the last conversation I have with my mom. I never got to say I love you. I never got to say, of course, I would love to have you pick me up at the airport. And so I do think, like, that is a part of it. Mm. And I think that is also what the Stoics were meaning. It should change how we speak to people. It should change how we view our relationships. And then that should lead to a more successful life. Because yeah, you're, you're a, more, a more fulfilled life. You're actually, if you are truly treating people as though they might die at any time, I feel like we'd be a lot nicer to each other or stop putting off the things that we would be wanting to do or say to someone. Right. Do you know what I mean? No, definitely. Which brings me all the way back to, you know, this whole podcast is about memento mori, but there is the counterpart to that. And I'm not going to say the pronunciation right, but it's memento viviere, meaning remember to live. And so I do think that that is interesting to kind of remember both of them because yes, you remember that you will die Forget your hubris, forget earthly pleasures, think about what's important. But on the flip side, you have to remember to live too. So what does that look like for you? Right. So I just thought that was interesting. 
that we always focus on this, remember you will die, but there was a whole counterpart to it. No, it's definitely, I mean, it is interesting. I think like that is the point of remembering that you will die is the counterpoint of now live. Yeah. You know, it's like, remember you're going to die. So that you can live. And in this moment, remember that this is your only opportunity. And you can't to live. truly live unless you realize you're going to die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the mature maturity aspect of it to begin yeah. that ball rolling. Well, all right. You got anything else you want to cherry on top? I don't think so. We're at, we're at an hour. So yep. our first video podcast episode. Well, hopefully it'll look good. I got all these lights we for, work on a, for a hundred bucks, boo. A hundred bucks. Can you believe it? I can. Really? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like four tripods, three, four lights. Those are some big light bulbs. I know. Bulbs. We just can't see anything. Yeah. Now that I like looked over that direction, I can get kind of blinded. But anyway, thank y'all for listening. Hopefully watching. Uh, hop over and throw a like or whatever on YouTube as well. Hopefully we'll. Blow this thing up. Blow it out of the water. Woo. Be living the fast life. We're living like we're dying. We're living like we're dying. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. The only way I could live like I'm dying is if I'm independently wealthy, which I'm not close to yet. Okay, hold on. I feel like you just... <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit of a joke. Mostly. Okay. That was mostly a joke. I feel like part of living like you're dying is accepting what is. Mm. Now, you can still... K Sarah Sarah. Yes. Whatever, Whatever will be, will be. Will be, will be. Yes. Sorry, did I end? You were about to go on a rant, I felt like. Well, <laughs> yeah, but then I didn't... We are at the end of the episode, but if you wanted to... Accept your life and learn to live... You had a chance. Yeah. You had a chance to blow it out of the water. <laughs> yeah, okay. Whatever. Uh, go be independently wealthy. Yeah, go be independently wealthy and uh, support the podcast. Yeah, support if you want to, if you can support the podcast. You know, the the main way is by sharing and liking and subscribing and throwing a comment. Um, if you don't follow on Spotify. If you will go and follow on Spotify. Just think if you were to die and you never got a chance to tell us what you thought about the podcast. Exactly. Also, hopefully now on YouTube and Rumble. Um, I don't even know what Rumble is. It's like a video streaming that's like anti-censorship. Oh, yeah. Go Rumble. Um, and then what else? We got anything else? Any other updates that we need to throw out at the end of the show? I don't think so. Nothing new. Uh, okay, well then. Housework. And do what? I mean, just getting working on the house. Oh yeah, we're, we we uh, we did get a lot of dirt work done. Today. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, be on the lookout for the Instagram page for updates on our double wide mobile home yeah. setup. Anyway, thank y'all for listening. Um, go ahead and, and uh, remember that you are going to die. So go ahead and like and subscribe. To and this also episode. remember to live. Remember to live. Uh, thank y'all for paying attention. And uh, until next time, peace. All right, we'll call. Okay. That was pretty fun. That was good. Oh, I got shut out.
everything down now. Yes, you do, so the little boys don't get it. 